never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. A relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. Remember what What's you good, do, people? This is the Relic Podcast. I'm Chad Snow, and thanks for listening. Episode 32, I believe. And again, just want to thank everyone for tuning in that continues to tune in and uh, support the show. Much love. This uh, topic, I guess I'm going to talk about, came to me again while I was walking solo the other day. And it was kind of piggybacked by a question someone had asked me or had sent me an email. And they were asking me about, uh, you know, overcoming addiction and how they were uh, struggling with their own addiction. And they wanted some advice from me, which sometimes makes me a little bit uncomfortable because, again, I've never claimed to be an expert on any of that stuff. I just share my story and what's worked for me, what's helped me, what didn't work, why it didn't, et cetera, et cetera. So when I share my stories and my information or whatever you want to call it, I don't do it because I'm, I feel like, oh, that's the answer for everybody. That's how everybody needs to do it. Not true. It works. It worked for me. It continues to work. If we're talking about staying clean, quitting something, and there's no like sexy tricks or hacks or anything like that. It's just a simple answer that I usually give to anybody that asks me the same question or question similar to it. And it's very simple. You just quit. You just have to stop. Whatever it is. Alcohol, drugs, smoking, eating too much, sitting on your butt. Whatever habit you've developed, you have to just stop doing it and change it. Substitute something. And a lot of people are like, well, what? they want something more. They want, they, they, they want steps. They want the hacks. And there is none. I mean, you can try to follow some, but they usually don't work. And they usually don't last. What works is just stop. Is it hard? Of course it is. Are you going to fail? Probably. I sure did. Because I didn't want it bad enough. You can't quit for somebody else. You can't quit for something else. You can't quit for an idea or anything. You have to quit for yourself. And so when I tell that to people, it's some of them, again, they want more. They want more info. And I can't give you more info. 
You just have to stop. You have to want it. You have to have the discipline to finally just be like, it's enough, enough. And stop. And stop. Another thing I bring up is stop believing the bullshit excuses you tell yourself or the bullshit rationalizations you make up. You start believing them. You got to stop doing that. Because they're all BS. And they're all stopping you from doing exactly what you know you should be doing. And I've done other episodes on the same topic where I've talked about the voices in your head. The demons. They're always going to come up. They're always going to be there. They're not going to go away. You can't run from them. I tried that. didn't work. You can't drown them. I tried that with alcohol. It didn't work. Just created more of them. Made them bigger. You got to face them. So again, if you want to quit something... Quit. Stop. And say for me, for example, when it comes to like alcohol, I couldn't just do it on my own. Obviously, I needed help. I need med- I needed medical help. Especially when you're that deep into it. When, when, that, when that alcohol had that hold on me like it did, I couldn't just quit on my own. I couldn't just quit cold turkey. That would have killed me. The withdrawals alone. I almost did. So obviously you need help in some instances. But in a lot of cases... The only help you need and the only help you're probably going to get is from yourself. If you want to quit eating so much or eating crappy foods consistently, stop doing it. Change your habit. If you want to stop being overweight, restrict your calories. If you want to quit smoking, quit. Again, there's really nothing sexy about how you go about doing it. You just have to do it. You just have to want to do it. That's my advice on that. Which piggybacks into what I was talking about when I was walking solo and the thought that came out of my head after I answered that question was, and again, solo or any dog I've had, they they remind you of things, whether you like it or not. Or maybe some of you have dogs and you don't even pay attention. I don't know. I guess I can only speak for myself, but I pay attention to things, and it, he reminds me of stuff that relate to me in life. And if you pay attention, dogs can be a great teacher. And in this case, Solo is another one for me. And it goes about you get what you allow. I'll repeat that. You get what you allow. 
How does that work with a dog? Simple, especially when you get a dog and it's a puppy. It has no idea what the heck's going on. You have to train it. You have to show it what's accepted and what's not accepted. And sometimes that means you have to correct. Ooh, there's a mean word. If you listen to the episode I was with, Sean, we talked about this a little bit. We didn't get deep into it. You have to correct the behavior, unwanted behavior. And you reward the behaviors you want. It can't be that easy. Of course it is. Example, when I got Solo, I knew Solo was going to be a big dog. He was 30 pounds when I picked him up from the breeder. And he was three months old. So I knew going in he was going to be a big dog. And fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, when you have a big dog, bad behaviors are magnified. Like little things, or I shouldn't say little, but little dogs get away with murder a lot of times because they're cute and cuddly, and, but the, a lot of times their behaviors are terrible because they're cute, like I said, and they're cuddly, and it's, it, no. But you put those same behaviors in a 110-pound dog, not so cute. So I knew I was going to have to hold tight and hold the line on a lot of things with as far as discipline with Solo. So here's an example. Dogs like to chew on things. Duh. And if you allow dogs to chew on things, they're going to chew on whatever they can get their mouth on. Shoes. And that's an example for me. I love shoes. If you know me, you know I got a collection of them. And I wasn't about to let Solo ruin any of them. So what I did was I taught him early on, don't mess with my shoes. And sometimes you have to set the dog up. You have to set him up to fail. Teach him a lesson. So usually I keep my shoes in boxes in my closet. So he wasn't going to get at them anyway. Unless I wasn't paying attention to him, and that would have been my fault, not his. But I left a couple pairs of shoes out. And another thing, I could make this into a dog training podcast, but I'm not going to. But when you get a dog, you have to pay attention to them. You have to watch them. And if you're not watching them, you should crate them. So whenever Solo was out of his crate, he was with me. A lot of times early on, he was on a leash in the house. So I controlled everything he did. And again, that was part of rewarding what I wanted and correcting what I didn't. But if Solo was out of my eyesight, that would have been my fault. So one time, I let him kind of off off the leash and let him roam around a little bit on his own, but under my supervision. And the minute he starts going for a shoe, I didn't know if he was going to chew it or not. But I know he, was, he saw it. And right when he started getting a little bit close enough to put his nose up to it and do whatever he was going to do, I made a loud, I said no, very loud, loud enough to scare him. 
And he turned around and looked at me. And I told him to come. So I'm teaching him. I'm training him on everything. Every single second I had him right away when I got him up to maybe the first year, every day was a training session. It still is actually, but I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds with it. But I corrected him, a verbal correction. And I might have had to do it a couple more times. But guess what he never did? He never chewed on my shoes. And there's other examples I can give about where I had to give him corrections. Like I knew he was going to be tall enough to counter surf. And so he could go into the kitchen or if I had food sitting around, which again, if I, had, if I leave food sitting around and he happened to get it, that would have been my fault, not the dog's fault. Don't blame the dog for some bad behavior when you're the owner and you need to be paying attention to the dog. But I wanted to make sure that I reinforced a solo that I didn't tolerate counter surfing. So when he's a little pup again, he, again, he's not little. So he's tall enough where he can get his head up on the counter. So I left some food up there on purpose. Same way I did with his shoes. I'm going to set him up. And I let him off his leash to let him roam around a little bit. And what does he do? Obviously, he's going to follow his nose. He goes right to the kitchen. And this time, I was going to make the correction a little bit... um, Well, you'll see what I'm getting at. I had a pan, a pot and a pan, or whatever it was, a lid and a pot. And right when he got close to the food, I slammed them together like a cymbal. Made a loud noise, scared the crap out of him, almost literally. He belted out or bolted out of that kitchen as fast as he could. I did. I scared him. Some people listen to this me like, oh, that's so mean. Why do you do that? Well, guess what he never did after that? Take a wild guess what he never did. He never stole food off the kitchen counter. Not on my watch. And he was very careful about going to the kitchen to do anything as far as looking for food. Now, there were some instances when I wasn't around and he got out of his crate, but that's a whole other episode. I can tell that story. But the point of all this is, again, you get what you allow. And I use the dog thing as an example because I had to teach Solo what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And he caught on real quick, and all dogs will catch on quick if you're consistent. And if there's motivation for them not to do something and motivation for them to do something. And the motivation not to do something is a correction. But it has to be believable. It has to be something that that they value. And he valued that loud noise that he didn't like that. I hope that makes sense. But we can relate to that as humans too. People in our lives, people you allow in your circle, good or bad. If you're complaining about someone not treating you right, well, you're allowing them to treat you the way that they treat you. 
maybe by having bad boundaries. Maybe by not telling that person that what they did or what they do, maybe they don't even know it, that you don't like. It's not right. It, it hurts your, whatever it happens to be. But if you allow it, that's what you're going to get. I could use millions of examples as a teacher. Classrooms, in the gym, as a coach. If you don't want your students or your athletes to do a certain thing and you expect them to do a different thing, you have to instill that in them. If you allow a kid to be lazy, say on the court, I'm using an example, if they're being lazy and they don't follow the, you know, the procedures, the rules, or, and if you just allow them to show up late all the time, they're going to keep showing up late. Why, why wouldn't they? No different than an employee. If you have an employee that substandard uh, performance or they show, get, uh, show up late, that's just a classic one. If they're consistently late all the time and there's no reason for them not to be because they've never been corrected or reprimanded or whatever, well, of course they're going to keep showing up late. Why not? Because they can. Because they're allowed to. We get what we allow. We get what we allow from our dogs. We get what we allow from our Students, if you're a teacher, from your coworkers, if you're a boss, fill in the blank. But you also get what you allow from yourself. And that's the biggest one. What do you allow yourself to do? And not do. And that's something you need to check yourself on. I need to check myself on every single day. What are you allowing yourself to do? What's helping you and what's hurting you? The lists are long. And it's an inventory we should take all the time. I try to get in the habit of writing stuff down like in a little journal I have. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get out of the habit of it. But it's just like a little checklist of like, okay, what did I do today? What didn't I do today? What good did I do today? And it kind of keeps me in the habit of doing that self-reflection, which I need. There's a lot of things I'm disciplined about. Getting up early, exercising, trying to keep things clean, etc. Blah blah blah. But there's other things I'm not so. I'm not the greatest with money. Sometimes I'll spend money on s- stupid stuff I don't need. Shoes. I don't need another pair of shoes. But sometimes you know, you know what? I like those. And thank God I got a wife that keeps me in check because if she didn't, I would have to do a lot better job of myself. Little things, but they matter. But you get what you allow. And what are you allowing from yourself? What are you allowing for yourself? What are you allowing for other people? What are you allowing from your dog? (laughs) Pick, choose. 
What are you allowing? The main thing is now, though, is I hope you allow yourself to have a great day. I hope you allow yourself to choose to have a great day. Make it a good one. I'm out. You never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic. Best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic. It comes far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on.